0: In a world of what are yous, welcome to the place where the answer is always human. My name is Natalie and you're listening to Some Kind of Brown, a podcast about mixed and multiracial life, current events, and ways to build the best life by a southern girl who's trying to figure it out for herself. Hello and welcome to the very first episode of Some Kind of Brown. In this episode, I really kind of wanted to introduce myself and my perspective Because it's definitely going to color the way I look at some of the issues I'm going to talk about later on in this podcast. I grew up in the South, debatably the Deep South. It's a little contention there living in Arkansas. And things have always been very, very polarized. When I was growing up, race was something you just really didn't talk about. Not only was it not talked about, it was very black or white. Yes, there are other races here, but my hometown is still very segregated. Obviously not intentionally, but you do have an area of town where there's a large population of minority, and then there's other side of town where not so much. You have one school that's very much so predominantly minority, and one school that's not. Well... Two if you count the one that's slightly out in the country and has another reputation for having, well, lots of students missing during hunting season. When I was growing up and tried to tell people about my experiences with racism, a lot of times the response was, I don't know what you're talking about. I've never seen those things. Or racism is over. There's no more racism anymore. Your feelings are dismissed. Your experiences are dismissed. And you're told to just... Get over it. And now looking at the direction this nation has gone in in the last year, I don't think anyone can honestly say racism is gone. For a time, I kind of believed the lie. I questioned my own experiences. I wondered if I was just reading into situations. But then something crazy happens, and I remember that it's real and alive, and I do experience those things. There was a time there was a sweet older lady at church who'd always been super nice always said hi to me. We always chatted. She came up to me and started talking about how bad black on black crime was and how the poor police had to deal with these people who obviously just didn't want to be better. And then she looked at me, cocked her head, and said, oh, I forgot you're one of those. And that was the end of the conversation. There was another time I went to the DMV to get my license, and instead of asking me about my race, because, you know, I'm standing right there. The two clerks argued about my race and how if I said I was white on my license and people found out I was black, it would be like tricking people. To clarify, my parents on the surface look like black and white. But in reality, I'm very, very mixed. As far as I know, on my dad's side, we are largely Cherokee and black in fact, there are some people in our family who've been keeping up with all these things, and we know what slave ship some of my family were brought on. I wish that told us where in Africa our ancestors came from, but unfortunately that's not how those things work. One day I'd really like to do some genetic testing and see if we can get a better region, but according to one of my first bosses who was Nigerian, we already know because I am Nigerian at heart. <laughs> so for, as far as I'm concerned... No, we'll just take Nigerian. On my mom's side, there's Irish. And some family members say there are records of us having a significant amount of Cree. I've never seen the records. My mom hasn't seen the records, but they exist. In other words, I'm very, very multiracial. And I look very ambiguous. In fact, I have three siblings, and all four of us look slightly different. Depending on my hairstyle or what I'm wearing that day, I can pass for pretty much anything brownish and sometimes people think I'm white. Let's just say that's a recipe for some very interesting situations. The first time I ever realized there was something different about me was my first day of kindergarten. My younger brother and I were sent to a Christian school that was, well, when I say majority white, I mean majority white, other than us. There was one black student, and I think he was about five years older than us, so we never saw him. My first day of kindergarten, I walked in, super excited. I was a little bit of a chatterbox, a little bit of a, you know, hyper child, expecting all the great things. And what happened was I had another one of my classmates come up to me, rub my skin, and ask me why I was dirty. My mom said I came home that day and cried and asked her if I could be white like everyone else. I wish I could say I was kidding, and I wish I could say that was the last time someone said something crazy to me, but that's just not the case. And I know that my experience is not unique. With the increasing number of mixed children in this country, I know that there are people out there who've gone through the same things that I have. And I hope that through this podcast, those people can share their experiences too, and maybe start a dialogue about the place of mixed-race people in America. After that experience in kindergarten, everything from the texture of my hair to what to put down on standardized tests was something that caused me to question my identity and where I belonged. In fact, I caused a little bit of trouble every time there was a standardized test, starting in what, middle school when you start taking those things? But that's something I'm going to talk about in a later podcast. It wasn't until I moved to New Orleans for college until I really started unpacking some of the craziness I just accepted as normal in my life. For the first time, I was surrounded by a sea of color. There were more people of color in New Orleans than I had seen in a long time. It was the first time I had an experience where people didn't really ask every day, what are you? In fact, it was kind of odd. I joined all the cultural organizations. Whatever someone saw me as first, was what they thought I was. And it wasn't till later where people started questioning things. For instance, I joined the Muslim student organization. And about two months in, someone asked me what country my family was from. And I was very confused. I said, wait a minute, what do you think my race is? Like, I don't know. We We thought you were Turkish or something. And I couldn't help but laugh. I had never said anything about that. In fact, I had been pretty much clueless the whole time in that club. I had joined because I wanted to know more about that culture. It was something that I hadn't seen where I grew up. I also joined the Asian student organization again because that wasn't a culture I'd seen very much in my hometown. At the time, I had relaxed hair. So you have this lightly brown girl with brown eyes and straight black hair. Nobody really questioned me joining the club. I thought it was because they were super accepting, which they were, but it was because they thought I was mixed with some kind of Asian. In fact, there were a couple of people who thought I was Vietnamese. To this day, I don't know why, but it, it happened. But going to college in a place that was so racially diverse really allowed me to explore my identity more. In fact, it led me to doing the big chop, growing out my natural hair. I hadn't seen my curly hair since I was seven, and it was an experience. The only reason I had any idea of how to take care of my hair was because I asked an older Haitian student how to take care of my curly hair, and she gave me some tips. Otherwise, I don't know what kind of disaster would be on my head today. It's been seven years since I was in college, seven years since I did the big chop, Seven years since, I started really exploring my identity, and now I've had students of my own who've come to me with similar stories. The pressures and stigmas around being mixed and multiracial haven't really changed, but what has changed is visibility. The number of people in the media who are openly mixed or multiracial has seemed to explode in the last 10 years, and I cannot be more appreciative of that. And I want this podcast to be somewhere safe that we can all explore what it means to find our own identities and backgrounds and highlight some of the people who are open in their struggles as well. There's a lot of beauty that comes from the blending of cultures and what comes along with it, and I hope that some of the topics I talk about and explore here and on my blog touch you, show you that you're not alone, and maybe change the way we look at the world around us. So July is National Minority Health Month. Mental health... To this day is still highly stigmatized, especially when you start talking about medication. And that's even worse in minority groups. According to the American Psychological Association, African American, Asian American, Hispanic, Latino, and Native Americans are still less likely to access mental health care and tend to see it as a family matter instead of seeking support from professionals. Combine that with a religious culture that is very much mainstream in the South, and you're more likely to face the Trust God response and treatment for depression, anxiety, and other serious mental health conditions. In addition to that, we're surrounded by a culture where you're told to pull yourself up by the bootstraps, to just think positive thoughts and things will get better. And sometimes we face pressure from our families to just work harder or keep studying. I've even heard my friend's mom tell her she was just not busy enough. To an extent, I understand the response to depression anxiety that minority groups have. Minority groups have had to struggle to make it in this country. A lot of children of immigrants, their parents, buckled down and put every ounce of energy they had into making the best lives for their children. They put their own mental health, their own health aside to make sure that their children were secure and could have the American dream. Unfortunately, it's created an environment where people are hurting, they're struggling, and they don't know where to turn and they're scared to seek mental health or even tell their parents that they need some kind of support. In the next month I want to explore more topics around mental health and as well as some of the things I've been trying in my life with my own battle with depression and PTSD. I'll be linking more information on National Minority Health Month as well as some other resources if you're interested on my blog Some Kind of Brown. My hope is that through some of these segments talking about mental health that I can remove some of the stigma and confusion around treatment for mental health and how serious it is so that people of color don't have to struggle silently anymore. I just want to thank you for listening to this first episode of Some Kind of Brown. There will be new episodes up every Monday. You can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at SomeKindOfBrown. And be sure to check out SomeKindOfBrown.com for show notes and more information. Thank you to PurplePlanet.com for our theme song, Love Life. And I'll see you next Monday with some more Shades of Brown.